Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. I am your co-host Matt Larson, along with, as always, Cricket Lou. Hi, everybody. I think we should just go straight into it. No opening banter, just answer a question. All right. That sounds good to me. All right. So we got a question just recently, um, like really recently in the past few days from Eric. How do you suppose he says his last name? Uh, R-A-D-D-E. Roddy? Rad? I don't know. I was thinking it could be either. I was yeah. actually thinking like you were, what the, <laughs> what the heck? How do, you, how do you say Eric's last name? Well, well, Eric, with a K, however you say your last name, thank you for sending Mr. DNS a question. And his question is about wildcards. He says, mm-hmm. wildcard records can cause problems or at least unexpected results when making some resolutions. The one I have dealt with is when a positive resolution occurs when it should not. Mm. And consequently, the client's DNS suffix search list is not used as intended. Suffix search list. So he's, he's, he's sort of talking in Microsoft lingo there. Uh, domain we'd, suffix search list. We'd say, we'd say search list. Search list. That's th- right. Before it was domain say, suffix search list, it was just search list. Yeah, actually, I think they say DNS suffix search order. In, in Microsoft. Oh, even worse. Yeah, okay. it's it's a mouthful. Search list is what we Search say. Search list. Uh, so he says, he continues, I always urge people to use the FQDNs and not short names, but that is probably in another Ask Mr. DNS episode. So he says, I am sure there are other examples you have already discussed, and I was hoping you could point me towards the right episode for this topic. And I, I don't think I, I thought about that after I read his question, and I don't recall covering this, not not explicitly anyway, maybe in passing. Do you I, remember? I don't either. On the other hand, if you look, do you remember when we started this thing? <laughs> without without looking at the website, do you remember? Uh, Forty five episodes ago. <laughs> oh, well, uh-huh. no, it was late two thousand eight. Wow. Okay. Yes. That's that's a good long time ago. That's yeah. eight years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was December 2008, but still. Uh-huh. Okay, um, so seven seven and change. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I know for a fact I do not remember everything we've covered. So. No. <laughs> I, I don't remember some things that I told myself yesterday that I, was sh- I should remember. So I certainly don't remember things from eight years ago. You know, maybe, maybe I'm uh, flattering us, but do you suppose that we have, like, obsessive fans who have tracked every single question, every episode, and like they could say, oh, yes, you covered that in, you know, episode, episode seven. <laughs> like the, uh, like the, uh, the, the obsessive Simpsons fans. Have you seen the, uh, the, the, the Frank, I forget what it's called. Um, it's uh, uh, basically a big Simpsons search engine. Well, there's what is it? SNPP.com. This is actually this is actually like um, I forget what it's called, like the Frinkinator or something. After Doctor Frink, or is he Doctor or Professor Frink in this instance? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, I'll, I'll send you the link afterwards, and for the rest of the rest of uh, uh, of you, you can you can basically type in any anything you like. Um, I was I was looking <laughs> the other day of all things for. Um, the reference to uh, the Alan Parsons project. Do you remember that? No, but I love the Alan Parsons project. <laughs> it's one where where uh, uh, Homer is recounting the, uh, the 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 history of rock and roll, and he talks about how Jefferson Airplane begat Jefferson Starship, which paved the way for uh, the Alan Parsons project, which I believe was some sort of a hovercraft. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I was I was looking for that, and the this Frankinator or whatever it is website actually went boom right to it. You plug that phrase in uh, some sort of a hovercraft, and it brings up the uh, a- actual actual graphical images from that from that episode and that particular part of that episode. Wow. Yeah, we need I, fans like that. No, I mean, we could talk about Simpson stuff all day, but my, I think my favorite, for some reason, what you're saying is reminding me of this scene where I think, does, does Lisa have, and it's almost a throwaway, like Lisa has a perpetual motion machine or something, and Homer says, in this law, or oh, Homer says, in this house, we obey the laws of thermodynamics. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It's the second law, I guess, right? So the second law, entropy is always increasing. That, uh, that within a closed system, entropy is always increasing. That the, yes, I, the I perpetual motion that, machine breaks. I confess that I know them all. I just can never remember the order. And there's like yeah. a zero. There's a zeroth law of thermodynamics that got added after the fact, sort of. Is there? Yes. I, I can never remember. Remember, I, and, I, and I should remember the the, the three laws the, the of uh, of robotics, Asimov's. Oh, well, what's wrong with us if we can't? So a robot, uh, it can't harm a human. Right. Or or through inaction, allow a human to come to harm, I think, is, right. is, is uh, in there. It, and then it has to preserve the, its own existence. No, 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 no. No, then it has last, to obey. Right? The second is it has to obey humans. Unless right. it contradicts the first law. And then it has to preserve its own existence unless it, oh, no, wait a minute. Can it, so can a human tell a robot to to like kill itself? Oh, uh, I I imagine. I don't, oh come on! I don't know. I don't know. How many <laughs> rabbit holes are we down? <laughs> and that was making me think of the 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 Boston Dynamics videos. <laughs> you've you've seen those Boston Dynamics yeah. is that that outfit that uh, that makes the 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 robots that that move spookily like oh, yeah. like people or animals or whatever and it, the most recent one they show they show some some human kicking yes. uh, their <laughs> their their robot to uh, to show how mostly I believe not not out of malice but because they want to show how well the robot recovers um, from from being put off balance but um, yeah no I, I I had it right I had th- those those are right that robot can't inter- injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being calls to come to harm. Number two, it has to obey orders, except if it conflicts with the first law. And then the third is it has to protect its own existence unless it conflicts with the first or second. So I guess you can tell a robot to blow its head off and it will. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Well, I kept thinking to myself after seeing the Boston Dynamics videos that that guy's going to be awfully awfully upset when the uh, when the robots come to power yeah because <laughs> he's the first one they're going to track down <laughs> so was there a question <laughs> yes it was it was wild cards and and search lists yeah so. yeah and this is this is definitely um definitely an issue in fact i i, I recalled that we even had this at hp um because we had wildcard mx records um in the internal root system at hp we did and so but what would have been the issue we're just just mail not getting to subdomains well i think that the the issue is that you can't for example do a a query within an infrastructure like that and to determine whether or not a given domain name exists Oh, because of empty non-terminals, or yeah, lack thereof. Yeah, everything appears to exist. You would never get an NX domain response 
you would always get no data responses. Um, well, you wouldn't always. You would get no data responses if you were looking up something that otherwise wouldn't exist. But I think in Eric's, Eric's case, he's, he's talking about uh, the more general case, for example, where you might have, uh, let's say, uh, your corporate domain, we'll, we'll say it's company.com, and somebody might decide, hey, I want to put a wildcard in company.com for some reason. And uh, then the problem is that when you start doing lookups from inside the organization um, and, and the search list is applied to those lookups, it can have unintended consequences. So, for example, if you tried to look up um, you know, a.b.c and you had company.com in your search list and that a.b.c um, it wasn't looked up as a fully qualified domain name first, but the search list was applied first. You'd probably get a match of a.b.c.company.com, uh, depending, of course, upon the type of, of record that you were looking for. Uh, and that uh, presumably is not which, what you'd intended. Um, so we've, we've, um, we've, I think this was a problem that was identified some time ago because when we were talking a little bit before we started taping, it was as far back as RFC 1535, I think, where, um, there was, there was some recommendations made about, uh, both what to put in the search list and what not to put in the search list and also when to apply the search list, um, given what somebody typed. And there were some changes made to at least bind stub resolvers in those days. That's Charlie. She's shaking her collar over there. Oh, didn't hear. <laughs> um, but, uh, for example, before that, before that, the idea was that you'd put um, the default domain name in the search list, plus all ancestor domain names that had at least two labels. I think that mm -hmm. was the default behavior. And then as of 1535, they said, no, no, if the default domain is, say, company.com, the only thing you put in the in the search list is company.com. That's actually a bad example because it only has two labels. But if, you're, if your default domain name was a.b.company.com, you'd just put a.b.company.com in the search list. And moreover, you would try to look up... Um, domain name arguments as is, as long as they had, uh, with the, the old bind stub resolvers, as, as long as they had at least one dot in them. So if you typed um, ping a.b, for example, with no trailing dot, uh, a.b would, would be assumed uh, to be a fully qualified domain name first, and you'd look up just a.b before trying a.b.company.com. Yeah, I confess I'm looking at 1535 while you're talking which dates to October 93 by the way uh, we were both happily at HP at that point oh my um, god <laughs> yeah it talks about buying 4.9.2 wow those were the days yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think this is actually it looks like it's saying basically stop at two labels don't apply a search list uh, don't, don't, don't strip it all the way down to one label that's right that's right. In fact, I don't believe bind, bind resolvers ever did that at bind stub resolvers. Um, they would always stop at two. But after 1535, they, they even would not include ancestor domain names. Oh, come on. No, really? I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, by default anyway. I mean, you could, you could manually, using the search directive. That's right. You just put it in the search list. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah. So you could manually set a search list to be whatever you wanted to with search. But if you use domain, the, the default search list that you got would not include ancestor domains. 
Are you sure about that? I'm not totally sure, but uh, <laughs> if you trust a, if you trust DNS and bind, I'm pretty sure that's what it says. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I thought that domain gave you everything up to and including two labels. At, at one point, yes. But after and 1535, I think, the, the, the next version of bind to come out after 1535 was... I don't know, maybe when it became, I don't even know what the, the status is now, but after it had been appropriately codified, uh, they changed that. Yeah, I mean, because the, the issue, I, I remember this, the issue with 1535 that they specifically point out is edu.com. So so if you were chopping things down to uh, all the way to single labels, that's where that would be an issue. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's perhaps worth mentioning that with the proliferation of top-level domains now, this is this is again becoming something of an issue, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Because there are all these these top-level domains that use labels that people might possibly have used in inside their enterprises. I mean, we've all, always have had this problem to uh, a lesser extent. For example, if your IT organization uses a subdomain uh, called IT, well, IT is also Italy, a CCTLD. Um, so there was always a possibility that you were going to match something that you were unaware of. But nowadays, it's a much higher uh, probability because there are so many more new TLDs, probably many or most of which I'm not familiar with, and I imagine most people aren't. And if you're used to typing, you know, uh, ping foo.it or foo.whatever the second label of the domain name is, and having that automatically completed by application of the search list, well, the way that uh, the search list is applied, at least with some resolvers nowadays, is that you'll look up foo.it first, and foo.it might be something out there on the internet. Mm -hmm. Indeed. All right, what do you think? Well, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure that we answered Eric's question, but <laughs> we gave him some entertaining anecdotes. <laughs> Well, this, this reminds me, as our longtime listeners know, of course, I am an organist, and uh, I remember something an organ builder told me. It was actually about the, uh, the pipe organ that, because I'm a crazy person, I have in my living room. Uh, and it was, like, I think I had asked him when this guy was building this, and this was, eight, this was ages ago. Um, I, I'd asked him something like, well, is it done? And, and he said, well, have I told you my theory of organ building? And I said, no. And he said, well, no pipe organ is ever finished. It just reaches a point where you can stop working on it and nobody notices. <laughs> yep, yep. So that I, seems strangely relevant to answering questions on this podcast. Yeah, I think that's not, uh, that's not unique to, to organ building or organ no. maintenance, I imagine. I know some, some people who, uh, who treat cars the same way. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have a, uh, a second question, don't we? We do, uh, and this is this is I think specifically for you, really. This is from uh, Lenny Truppiano, and he actually tweeted us this question. He says, uh, "Does Dyne support a name slash alias at the apex of a domain? Uh, am I remembering correctly? Can you point me to some docs?" And I guess um, I should take just a moment there to 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 explain that a name and alias are not really standard DNS resource record types. They're um, there, there's something of a, an oddity, a, a kind of a meta type, if you will, that's brought on by the fact that you can't have uh, 
uh, a CNAME record at the apex. So do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. So what, what we find, and I think what every managed DNS provider has, has found at one point or another, is that customers want to do that. Um, I think often to use CDNs. Yeah. Uh, you know, they want to be able to have, uh, you know, for uh, company.com, they want to be able to have a CNAME to, you know, something that's something that's something that Akamai.com or whatever, um, sending their their main website off into a CDN. And of course, you can't. You can't do that because you can't have a C name where then there's other data. And at the zone apex, there is always other data. There's at least an SOA and the NSRR set. And everyone has really kind of solved this in a, in a different way. Uh, I, I, would, I would imagine, you know, I haven't looked in great detail into what other providers are doing, but like there's really only so many ways to do this. And mm-hmm. um, what people end up doing is faking it out, basically allowing you to actually do that semantically something similar to this to a c name that works like a c name um but but isn't but isn't but isn't a c name that works so so i guess let me answer the question first which is does dine support this the answer is yes um we've supported that for uh, a few months now and i did tweet back at lenny when he uh, when he asked about it and the way the way we do it is you know on on the back end uh, when somebody queries for this, we actually do the resolution to complete the C name chain, and right. then return the the full answer to them. Yeah, and so I think that I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say that I think that that sometimes that's referred to as flattening. Yes, yeah, C name flattening. Yeah, and then we keep a cache so that you know when you ask again, it's not uh, uh, it, you know the, the latency isn't high because that's th- th- there's. For C names, there, there's going to be a latency penalty somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. To, you, you, somebody has to chase down that, that C name chain. So it's just a question of is it done by the resolver or is it done in this case, in this special case, by the server? Right, right. I guess the one, the one potential issue with that, with that means, I mean, that's, that is, I think, about the best you can do, really, um, is to have the, uh, what would be the authoritative name server flatten that for you. But one of the issues there is that really you'd like to have the lookup uh, against the Akamai name servers done by the recursive name server. Exactly. And there's, there's no getting around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you, you, you assume that Akamai has, for example, uh, a, a lot of distributed caches of data that they can, they can hand out, and uh, they want to be able to deliver an answer that points you to the closest of those. Um, and if, if the query against the Akamai name servers after following the alias is done by your recursive name server, well, presumably your recursive name server is somewhere maybe reasonably close to uh, the client that's going to ask for that data. On the other hand, Dyn's, uh, Dyn's name server is not necessarily particularly close to Akamai or, or the, the Akamai cache, uh, rather, <laughs> I'm sorry, not close to the client accessing the Akamai cache. Right. And there's really not not any way to to deal with that. Uh, it, it's sort of something that you have to just accept if you're going to have this solution, right? Um, and what we count on is that you know Dyn has a highly anycast network, and the hope is that uh, anycast for the resolution from the recursive to our authoritative is taking you somewhere reasonably close, so that you're going to do the, the resolution that happens from the Dyn pop is reasonably close. 
to where the recursive is. You know, I, 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 you're right. Ideally, it would be the recursive is is doing the resolu resolution against Akamai's name servers. But yeah, uh, you know what what that should at least protect against any cast should protect against you know let's say a a recursive in Europe uh, querying an authoritative server in the west coast of the U.S. In which case, you know, pretty clearly, if the resolution is being done from the west coast in the U.S. against Akamai, that that's Akamai is going to return a, a different answer. So, but that that sort of thing doesn't happen in Dyn's AnyCast network because we spend a lot of time making sure that it doesn't. Yeah, and anyway, it's just an approximation that the recursive name server is close to the client anyway, <laughs> right? Right. Which, as we know, you know, especially now in you know the days where uh, you know, Google public DNS gets what some fantastically large percentage of traffic, you know, low double digit percentage of traffic. Uh, you know, we know that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which could bring us to uh, a whole different discussion of eDNS client subnet, but perhaps we'll save that for another episode. Perhaps. <laughs> right. Well, those are our questions, but I will have to say, man, we we scraped the bottom of the mailbag. Like there was, there were those two questions, and there was nothing else. Yeah, yeah. We had to go back to the Twitter feed, which is actually a good thing because we should be answering questions from the Twitter feed. Uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't really, I don't know, have we ever even pointed out on the podcast that, that there is an Ask Mr. DNS Twitter? Account? I don't know that we have. Well, there is, and yeah. it's Ask Mr. DNS. Uh, no hyphens or anything in there. Ask Mr. DNS is the Twitter handle for, for Mr. DNS, and he will he will respond to you, ho hopefully in the third person. Yes. So you can, you can access Mr. DNS via one of these new millennium social media services. Very exciting. Yes, we, we have dragged Mr. DNS kicking and screaming into the social media world. <laughs> ah, any other news that we should share with uh, our dozens of listeners? We, we may be down below dozens at this point. I, oh, I'm not sure. I hope not. <laughs> every, every now and then I'm surprised. I was talking with, uh, boy, were they even a Dyn customer or were they a prospect? And somebody... Uh, comment. Oh yeah, they were a fan of the podcast. And it's like, wow, that's you know, you sort of expect the people, the people we know, to be listening. But like every time I hear that somebody whom I don't know, like not only listens but is a fan and thanks me for it, it's like, wow, this is what this is. This is just the tiniest glimmer of a shadow. Of what it <laughs> might must be like to be a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I had a guy come to an event that I was speaking at not too long ago and uh he he came up to me after my presentation was done and he said have i have we met before and i said i i don't think so you don't you don't look familiar to me not like i remember everybody i meet and he said gosh you seem so so familiar to me and he and he stood there for a minute and he said you know what it is he said i know your voice and i said really he said yeah your voice is familiar to me and we eventually alighted on uh the fact that he had he had bought the learning DNS series that I r recorded for O'Reilly. Uh-huh. And and those are those that's video training on DNS. And so he had been listening to me for two or three hours worth of, of DNS training. And so he recognized my voice, but he didn't he didn't know what I looked like. Is there no video with those? Is it just uh, like just the slideshow and then it's your narration? Yes, mercifully, no <laughs> no video of me, just slides. 
<laughs> so you can't pantomime the resolution process or anything like that? <laughs> yes, exactly. When I move my hands like this, it's a query. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just slides. It's funny because O'Reilly had initially approached me and said, oh, well, you should try to do it uh, with as few slides as possible and, you know, do it with live action. <laughs> and I said, that's not going to happen. <laughs> this is not a TED Talk. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how that would work. They also, they also had said early on, they said, well, you know, you really don't have to script these things. Um, you can just, you can just uh, kind of know the material and have kind of an outline and then just start going and you'll get into a groove. Uh, too much, too much uh, uh, Marin County living for those folks. Um, <laughs> but I, I tried to do that a few times. And what inevitably happened was that I'd record it and I'd send it off to the production editor. And the production editor would, se would send it back and say... Uh, yeah, okay, it's two pixels too short, or um, we've got a funny noise in the background, or something like that, so you'll have to re-record. And I'd go, but, but, <laughs> but, but I don't remember what I said. <laughs> and it wasn't scripted, it was just kind and not completely ad-libbed, obviously. I was, there was a certain amount of material that I wanted to cover, but then um, re-recording it was a horrible chore, so I just gave up on that after a while, and, and um, I scripted it pretty closely, actually. Well, and if you're doing it where people can't see you, that's not a big deal, right? If you can make the delivery sound uh, you know, sort of off the cuff, which I know you can do, then that's really the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people don't realize how carefully scripted this podcast is. Uh, I'm, I'm reading <laughs> off a script right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, would say something that uh, it's carefully scripted and this is what it ends up sounding like. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to take us out? All right. I will do that. Well, thank you as always for tuning in to uh, the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. We uh, appreciate it. Um, we would love to get questions from you. Uh, again, you can send your questions to Mr. DNS at ask mrdns.com. Um, and maybe soon uh, ask mrdns.com with no dash, but we'll we'll wait for that. Uh, and until next time, uh, we'll see you later. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.